0: The Matt Bernier Show, part of the In the Money Media Network. My name is Matt Bernier. You can follow me on Twitter at Bernier underscore Matt. Today's Thursday, October the 5th, 2023. It is episode 174 of the pod. However, you listen, thank you for doing so. Many ways to find the show Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, In the Money You can also listen over on YouTube, search bar Matt Bernier Show. You'll get this episode along. With the 173 prior, as always, please rate, review, subscribe, thumbs up, thumbs down, comments, 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 more comments beneath the video player, or send me a direct message over on Twitter, X, whatever you'd like to call it, ZEET, at Bernier underscore Matt. We wrap up this week's show with some football talk. We kick things off here, though looking ahead, I was off last week on vacation, went to Arizona with my wife just us, no kid in tow. She stayed home, played some golf, quick, quick golf course reviews for you. TPC Scottsdale, um, uh, very pretty, very nice golf course. They were building out the grandstand surrounds on, um, was it, I don't even know if they'd started 18. Yeah, they must've been right. 18, 17, 16, and a bit of 15, I believe it was. But they had proper stuff laid out for 17 and proper stuff laid out for 16 as well. Um, Nice course. Loved everything about the practice facility. A little bit pricey. So if you're not into, you know, you just know what you're getting into when you're going to try to play a course like that. It's probably going to cost you a little bit, but beautiful golf course. A million degrees. What do you expect? It's Arizona in September. Um, And I will say, compared to where I played the next day, which was. Uh, The boulders, I played the south course. For the price, you paid basically 67% of one to play the other, with the boulders being the cheaper of the two. The boulders is very pretty, extremely pretty. The greens were like concrete. And that's not, I mean, you're going to find that with, with certain places no matter what. But I felt like it was a lot of target golf Compared to TPC Scottsdale where it was, you're in the desert, but it's not really desert golf, if that makes sense. There's a couple little runoff areas, but for the most part, it's very green. Um, both courses. If you're in that area, Scottsdale, Carefree, I believe, is the other town. Um, oh, check them out. Really nice spots. Good golf courses. You're going to pay for them. So if you're just into cheap golf, which I am, don't get me wrong. I One of my favorite public courses up where where we live in New England is as cheap as it gets, and you just go out there and you have fun. But if you're someone that likes to take in sort of the experience and say, "Oh, I played where the where the big boys play, the big girls play, and all that kind of stuff," um, it's turned into a little bit of a thing of mine on my travels. I try to go to a course that has had something go on there and uh, take a little souvenir along with it. So whether I end up with a a head cover, I've got head covers from both of those places. I've got a Beth Page black head cover. I've got a St. Andrews, I've got an old course head cover, I've got a Harbor Town head cover, and hopefully I can just keep adding to that, and then basically whenever one of those uh, clubs lets me down, I'll just kind of circle and cycle out into a new one. But neither here nor there. Again, if you are a, a golfer and you happen to be headed out that way, I thought both courses were nice of the two, I would prefer TPC Scottsdale. This week's show, let's focus on the racing at hand. I know there were preps last weekend, We'll talk about those more in time. Opening day at Keeneland on Friday. I am in a hotel right now in Lexington. Um, It's almost 9 o'clock, so I'm kind of whispering a bit. I'm looking forward to the whole weekend. Opening day, obviously, but we're going to look at Saturday because the Breeders' Cup in Keeneland and Santa Anita are doing something kind of cool. There are six races, and I believe they are all Challenge Series races. And speaking of the Challenge Series... Let's just run through the schedule because our friends at the Breeders' Cup are sponsoring this week's show, and you want to talk about winning. You're in action. Let's start on Friday. Again, most of you that are listening to this already will opening day at Keeneland's probably come and gone. But here's the list: the Stole Keenan Ogden Phoenix on opening day. That is a win and you're in for the Qatar Racing Sprint. The Jessamine is a win-and-you're-in for the Juvenile Phillies Turf. The Alcibiades, the Darley Alcibiades, is a win-and-you're-in for the NetJets Juvenile Phillies. The Frizzette is a win-and-you're-in, that's at Aqueduct, for the NetJets Juvenile Phillies. The Thoroughbred Club of America is a win-and-you're-in for the PNC Bank Philly and Mayor Sprint. That's on Saturday. We've turned the page to Saturday now. Uh, the Champagne is a win-and-you're-in for the FanDuel Juvenile. The Coolmore Turf Mile is a win-and-you're-in for the FanDuel Mile. The Claiborne Breeders Futurity is a win and you're in for the FanDuel Juvenile, as is the American Faro Stakes, a win and you're in for the FanDuel Juvenile. The Chandelier out at Santa Anita is a win and you're in for the NetJets Juvenile Fillies. The Rodeo Drive is a win and you're in for the Makers of Mark, Philly, and Mare Turf. The Princess Rooney down in South Florida at Gulfstream Park, a win and you're in for the PNC Bank Philly and Mare Sprint. The Futurity on October the 8th at Aqueduct is a win and you're in for the Juvenile Turf Sprint. The Judmont Spinster is a win in your in for the Longines Distaff on Sunday here at Keeneland, as is the Bourbon Stakes being a win in your in this time for the juvenile turf. That's all the win in your in action. Happening this weekend at Keeneland, at Santa Anita, and at Belmont at Aqueduct. You can catch most of this racing at FanDuel TV. You can also check out our friends at CNBC. They will be broadcasting here on Saturday and Sunday from Keeneland as well. So, as part of everything going on there with the Breeders' Cup Challenge Series, there is a cross-country pick six. $1, 15% takeout, three races from Keeneland, three from Santa Anita. I'm not going to give you final thoughts. I've got stronger thoughts in some races than others. But to be fair, I've still got quite a bit of work to do just for opening day, never mind for Saturday. The sequence itself, the six races, in case you have missed it. Leg A is the seventh race at Keeneland. That is the TCA the Thoroughbred Club of America. Leg B is the third race out at Santa Anita. That's the Chandelier. Leg C, back at Keeneland, race nine. It's the Claiborne Breeders Futurity. Leg D, also at Keeneland, is the Coolmore Turf Mile, race number 10. Leg E, going back out west for the last two. Race number eight, it's the Rodeo Drive. And then leg F, race number nine at Santa Anita, it's the American Pharaoh Stakes. Again, it's a $1 base bet, 15% takeout. I have stronger opinions toward the end. Basically, those last three races, I I see them being relatively formful, which is why I still haven't finalized thoughts for the opening three legs, but let's just kind of go through them. And I, I need feedback beneath the video player, or if you are so inclined, send me a DM over on Twitter, and that way I can have some opinions. Maybe we spitball back and forth. You help me, I help you, yada, yada, yada. Uh, Let's start off with race number seven at Keeneland It is the TCA. They're going six furlongs on the main track. I think you could argue this is one of the more difficult races. It's only a seven-horse field. But Yugiri's last run was big, not a ton of pace that day, and she still went off and won for fun at Churchill. You know, do you just give Wicked Halo the benefit of the doubt because there was no pace that day? Or is she a filly that's going the wrong direction? I don't ever like to see that kind of a pattern if you're looking at it from a buyer' standpoint, she's been remarkably consistent all year long and then she drops a bit of a dud um, on Thorograph. you know she went from zero to zero zero to six and a half. I don't I don't like that trend, but her best certainly can win. You know fire on time is a little bit slow, but she figures to be close to the pace. Last leaf, you know I, I truly don't even know what her best surface is. So this opening leg. I haven't mentioned the other 3 horses in the race who all could win. Be like Water's probably a little bit tough to make, but even her, she's not out of it. The opening leg, I don't have any real strong opinion. I'm a big advocate of tiering your tickets. I would I'm a believer of mains and backups. You can go much deeper than that. You can go A B C, you can go A B C D, you can go A plus A B C. You can do whatever you want. For me it's primarily mains and backups. This is probably a leg where I will have at least, I think, at least two to three mains and then the balance backups. I'll probably use almost everyone getting out of this first leg. Am I proud of that? No, but it's the reality of the situation. For me, anyway. Maybe you guys are smarter than I am and you've got better opinions. And if you do, please share because I could use the help. Uh, The second leg of the sequence, race three out at Santa Anita, it's the chandelier. You know, I. Part of me kind of looks at this race and says, if you're just purely looking at numbers, Laurent is going to be tough for Peter Erden. And then beyond that, I guess you can look at Gate to Paradise. But Gate to Paradise was well behind Laurent in that most recent start. The reason I would be inclined to look at a horse like Gate to Paradise, and same can be said about Dua, while the numbers aren't quite as fast as what Laurent has accomplished so far, Boy, I see Arrogate on top for both of those fillies, and it just makes me think that longer is where they are going to thrive. That they've been good going shorter, but that's not because that's what they want to do, which is because they've got a great deal of talent. Now, they need to improve. There's no doubt about that. But for the bulk of this field, I'm looking somewhere in that sort of six, seven, eight range, and I don't want to totally sleep on a horse like Scalable, the two, you can even really say the same for the inside horse and Chitalis as well. I'm more interested in Scalable, though, coming coming west. Pletcher's got two juveniles in out at Santa Anita on Saturday. I think it's very interesting knowing that that's where the Breeders' Cup's going to be. I don't know if he's throwing them out there because he thinks... I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not going to try to get inside of his brain, but... Scalable would be another one I would think about, as would the case be for the inside runner, but I think the majority of my play is probably going to go through kind of the the middle-ish outside portion of the gate, 6-7-8, Gate to Paradise, Dua, and Laurent. Leg C, back out at Keeneland. If I can pull up the right pass performances. Race number nine, it is the Breeders Futurity. Another race that I have not finalized an opinion on, but I do think Generous Tipper, when I keep going through and looking at a combination of the way the race could play out on paper, running styles, patterns, connections, I think there's a lot to like about Generous Tipper. And at 15 to 1 on the morning line, I don't know if you're going to get 15s, maybe you get 10s. I think Generous Tipper is interesting in here, knowing that a lot of people are going to, I don't know if they'll just flat out single, but a lot of people are going to go and look at locked and say, he's a lone A, he's the only one I'm going to use. And calling a spade a spade, if he runs back to that run at Saratoga, going that sort of one and a half turns, uh, everyone else is probably probably running for second. For what it's worth, one horse has come back out of that race on September the 1st, and they improved their buyer speed figure by 19 points. Locked is not going to improve his buyer by 19 points. Let's make that abundantly clear. If he does, he's probably the fastest two-year-old in history as far as the buyers are concerned. But it's not inconceivable that he does crack the triple-digit buyer threshold, and if he does that, he sets himself up as one of the likelier winners on Breeders' Cup weekend. Like D is the 10th race, the Coolmore Turf Mile. This is a race that I have gone through. I'm going to pick, a horse, one of my old friends who I acknowledge is not as good as the other two big ones in here. Master of the Seas and up to the mark are the two most likely winners of this race. And it's them and then everyone else, okay? Master of the Seas, I was up there at Woodbine, he was awesome. I see no reason why he can't replicate that, but I do think it's a totally different animal running down I know it was against the flow, but running down subpar company compared to what he's going to take on Saturday. Because I think this is a very solid group. Up to the mark, in my opinion, if he runs his best race, he's going to win. I don't think anybody can do anything about that. I do wonder a little bit about distance with him. Is this on the sharper side? And also, is this genuinely just we're, we're kicking the rust off? He's been gone for a little while. We haven't seen him race since the beginning of June. Is this a nice opportunity? You shake the rust off, and then you can decide, are we going to try to run him at a mile, or are we going to try to stretch him out to a mile and a half for the Breeders' Cup? I do like Up to the Mark. I've liked him since they put him on turf. I was saying he was a grade one horse back when he won that second allowance race. And he's come back, and he's kind of validated that thought. Not a brilliant thought, but I think anybody that's seen him run pretty early could tell that there was something going on here but i'm not going to go with either of them on top for an air quotes pick i'm gonna go with annapolis who i had luck with in this race last year i think his mint million i don't think he was ever winning that race but the trip certainly didn't help his cause it's also kentucky downs so i'm not gonna hold that race against him i think his runs two and three back do they win? No. He probably needs to improve. But there's no Casa Creed in here. And I, to be fair, the two horses he's running against on Saturday are better than Casa Creed. But the, the key differentiating factor for me anyway is I believe Annapolis is going to get a pretty significant head start on those two. I think he's up there pressing the pace throughout. He's probably wide in the clear, and maybe he's not good enough. I don't know that he's going to be 6-1, to one, but he probably isn't going to be far off from that because those other two are going to take all the money. So I think this is going to be an opportunity to get a pretty, pretty square number on a horse that, is he as good as the other two horses? No. But I think in terms of his likelihood of winning, I think he's going to offer a bit of an overlay. So the pick, the air quotes pick, is going to be Annapolis, and he is going to be one of three A's. And I know that probably sounds crazy for a lot of folks that you're going to have the three chalks Going to, and I say that, maybe I'm giving set piece, you know, a bit of disrespect in here. But I just, I've never really truly viewed him as a grade one type. I think he's a really nice horse. I think he's a couple of the top ones in here. The only backup I'm going to use is the three, Stitched. On the off chance that he can somehow shake clear, I thought he ran well in the Mint 1000000 He won the Wise Dan 2 back in nearly 50-1. to one. I don't see any reason why he can't be competitive again. Does he win? Maybe not, but... I'm going to have a piece of him in this thing, especially if I think the final couple legs could be on the formful formful side. So that's how I'm approaching the Coolmore Turf mile. And that gets us to the last two legs of the sequence back out west. We're taking a look at the Rodeo Drive, mile and a quarter on the turf. I do find this race fascinating because, correct me if I'm wrong, I thought the plan that had been mapped out for Anaset was Delmar Oaks, QE2 for three-year-olds here at Keeneland, and then you've got the American Oaks on opening weekend of Santa Anita day after Christmas, or right around there. So now that they're here, this is a win, and you're in for the Breeders' Cup. I had mentioned that, you know, with that Del Mar Oaks – is it the fastest race? No, but to me, she ran like a horse. That you know what, she's earned a a right to to give it a chance. Would I be picking her in there? I, I don't know. Probably not. But the people there just like thought it was blasphemy to even think that way. Well, guess what? If she's actually running in this race here, well, the intent is probably to punch her ticket to the Breeders' Cup. I'm a little bit surprised she's here and I'll be using her as as a backup. I'm only going to have one main, and that's Didia. Didia is the fastest horse in this race, period, end of story. Aniset needs to improve to beat Didia, assuming Didia shows up with her best. She's run fresh off the bench in the past. She's fired, and I think you might have a chance with Aniset's presence, even from a win standpoint, if if Didia's is... you know, is Didi gonna be nine to five in here? Two to one? That might be a, a tremendous value. Given the money that Anisette's gonna take. The other horse I'd throw out there, and I don't love her. But closing remarks if on Thorograph, she's going the right way. Now maybe it's simply she loves Del Mar. Okay, she's run very well at Del Mar in the past. And she's run just kind of meh at Santa Anita. She's won at Santa Anita, but she's been better at Del Mar, I think if you believe part of this form cycle that she's come back with these two wins she earned a six and a a half and four and a half i think she's going the right way she's going to get a little bit lost in the shuffle she's been the favorite in four of her last five races i'm not saying she's going to be 20 to one but at you know six to one she's not impossible in this spot so i'll be using her as a backup and that'll get us to the payoff leg of this sequence that's the grade one American pharaoh. And if any of you have better ideas than I do about Muth, I just, I have no interest in trying to beat him. He's a lone A. He's the only main that I will use if he loses and I'm alive. I'm not that broken up about it. Because while, and, and of all people, I'm somebody that looks at it and says, Oh, it's like next level just continues to get better. Start after start after start. 52, 69, 79. Maybe you jump up into a 90 this time around. Muth ran behind arguably the best two-year-old of his generation last out, okay? Yeah, and he got humbled, but he was a country mile clear of everyone else. He's got speed. I think he's probably controlling speed in here. And he's another one that I think he's probably better going longer. This will be his first time going two turns, and stretching from six to eight and a half is no bargain. But I just I, I don't think anyone is close enough to be all that interesting for me. And maybe I'm just really giving short shrift to the rest of the field. I, I don't have any interest in trying to beat Muth. And, again, he'll be the lone A for me in this spot. And I hope he can take the field gate to wire, especially if I've gotten through the first five legs of the sequence. Again, Keeneland, Santanita, teaming up a Breeders' Cup Challenge Series pick six, $1 base bet, 15% takeout. You should be getting involved. The Thoroughbred Club of America, the Chandelier, the Breeders' Futurity, the Turf Mile, Rodeo Drive, the American Pharaoh. That is the 6 race sequence on Saturday. Let me know your thoughts beneath the video player on YouTube or on Twitter at Bernier underscore Matt. Now let's turn the page. We'll talk a little bit of NFL for this coming week. All right, let's get in some NFL picks here. Um, I'm in the midst of watching the Thursday night game. Bears, Commanders. My Amazon feed must be way behind because... Fanduel sportsbook has Chicago up ten to nothing. I have the kicker just running out onto the field, so uh, I am going to take a wild stab at it. This, this horse, this kicker ends up making this kick. Um, for what it's worth, I would have had Washington twenty six, Chicago eighteen in this game. There, to be fully transparent, so the last pick I made for football was before vacation, and I just. I, I thought it was pretty clear. I guess I didn't officially make it, but I insinuated it. Um, I just I, I couldn't I couldn't figure how that number between Washington and Buffalo was as small as it was, and maybe they shouldn't have won by forty or whatever they won by thirty six thirty seven But that worked out okay. Another week's worth of data I truth be told, I don't know that I am still super in love with where things are right now with my numbers. There's one element to the whole shebang that I still have not fully fixed, and that's the player model piece of it, and that's purely just because I've anybody that's a uh, an Excel nerd or anybody that dives and does any of this kind of stuff, I went through and rather than in the past, which I've done, break everything down sort of tab by tab. So it would be quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end. I took the wide receiver running back tight end tabs or the data that's been pulled from them and appended them in the the power query. But unfortunately, when I go through and try to do a custom sort, it comes out kind of funny and the totals don't always add up. So I'm still working the kinks out of that. I'm probably just going to have to go back to the way I did it before where there's each individual tab. Not that any of you care about that, but just kind of to... Anybody that does this sort of thing, please chime in beneath the video player on YouTube. I'd be more than happy to talk shop and and hear how you go about doing things or send me a DM on Twitter. Um, But so that part I have not incorporated just yet. Um, Another piece that I'm still reluctant to fully buy in and I've kind of, I've, I've tiered things. I've got five metrics that I use right now and they're broken down by 10%, 20%, 30%, 20%, and 20% in terms of what the ensemble number is. And that's basically, I'm using that number to base everything off of. I still also haven't gone ahead and broken out the actual simulations. I have a projection. When this is done, I will then take that projection, use that as the basis point, and then take whatever the standard deviations are uh, in terms of scoring on the year for the league as a whole and simulate out 1,000 games And that way you can get a probability or an actual win percentage of how likely one team is to win over the other. And then you can really break it down if you want to get super nerdy and super nasty with it. You can go through and and break it down by point bands. So, you know, to cover three, to cover seven, to cover 10, to cover 14, whatever you want to do. You can also then factor in the total. If you add in all of those numbers and again, that's way into the weeds. Many of you don't care about that. I apologize if I've been boring you. Let's go right to these games. Again, uh, this Thursday night game, it's already going to be over by the time you listen to this, but I had 26 to 18 Washington, and if that happens, they need to get their shit together. Uh, Let's go with, and this time around, I'm actually going to compare to what the current lines are on Thursday night at quarter to nine at the FanDuel Sportsbook. Obviously, some of you are in states where you can play with the FanDuel Sportsbook. Uh, Some of you aren't. Maybe you've got restrictions on what books you can use. Maybe you're in a state that has not pushed things through yet. But point being, at least this will give us a nice reference point at this point in time, and I can kind of go back and forth about would I back at this kind of number or would I wait for something else or whatever it may be. So let's see. Uh, My first game is the London game. And this one's probably a little bit funny too just because it is in London. Uh, The Jags and the Bills. I have Buffalo Thirty-two, Jacksonville twenty-three, so that's a nine-point difference. Uh, FanDuel currently has Buffalo favored by five and a half. You know, again, I, I don't, I don't know how you, you even really want to quantify the being in in Europe kind of thing. Uh, the Jags were already over there. I, I think Buffalo is much better. That's just, but I don't think it's recency bias either. Jacksonville's looked like a bit of a mess for a little while now. So part of me does think that that's a, at least a touchdown. And if it's five and a half, th- this, I don't want to say it's quite as crystal clear as the Commanders game from a couple weeks ago with Buffalo, but if you want to call it a letdown game, that's entirely up to you. I just I think Buffalo's a better team. I think they win this by at least a touchdown. I have them winning by nine. Um, let's go to... I'm going to go right in order of the sports books. I'll have to just bounce around on my own numbers. Houston at Atlanta. You want a real juicy thought here. By the way, the Falcons are favored by one and a half. I have a 22 22 draw. We won't go and revisit that. But the bigger piece for me is, and if you're questioning the whole draw thing, go back and listen to the episode, last episode, and the episode before. You'll understand. I think Houston's good, and I know a lot of people have started to kind of chime in about that as well, but if I take a look and see divisional prices, Houston's plus 460 to win the South. I don't think Tennessee's very good. Indianapolis is dangerous, and Jacksonville, I think, has got major flaws. I wouldn't talk you off the Colts, because I think as more time goes by, they're probably only going to get better. I would back either of those two teams. I would probably lean Houston because I think they've got some pieces. They're, they're doing this in spite of the fact that their offensive line is in shambles. And, and maybe it'll catch up to them at some point. And they're also doing this with a rookie quarterback who looks like he's a 10-year veteran. And maybe that'll catch up to them as well. But I, I don't know. I don't love either of the top two. Indianapolis I think will go about as far as Anthony Richardson takes them. I would take either of those two teams, Indianapolis or Houston. Indy at plus 430, Houston at plus 460. My preference would be the Texans. Um, The projection this week, I have a 22 all draw. You know, just purely on that, I would probably take Houston. And in that case, rather than catch the one and a half, I would take them on the money line, uh, which price currently is at plus 108. Uh, Carolina at Detroit. I have Detroit winning 30 to 17. They are 10-point favorites at home. I think that's fair. I think that's accurate. I'm not advocating laying double digit points in the NFL. But I'd lay the 10 here. If you really were hell bent on making a play, I've got Detroit covering by 13. Tennessee at Indianapolis, just mentioned these two teams. Tennessee is a two and a half point road favorite. I have this as a twenty-two to twenty-two draw. So kind of illustrating my point about I, I don't think that those teams down in the south are separated by much. And even with that being said, I do think there's a real case to be made that the bottom two are actually the two best teams or the teams that long term have better prospects than the top two. So in this case, while I have a projected draw, there's no question that you would take the two and a half at home. um, And I would probably be inclined to take the plus 116 money line, although that number seems a little bit light to me. When you're only looking at what a $25 difference, $26 difference, I'd rather take the two and a half for the home team. Um, don't need to get greedy, so I would take Indianapolis plus two and a half. Uh, the Giants and the Dolphins. The Dolphins are 11 and a half point home favorites. I have Miami winning 35 to 20. That's a 15 point difference. Uh, that also, for what it's worth, comes to a total of 55, and the total currently is 47 and a half. A lot of that is contingent on the Giants doing anything, and based on the way Daniel Jones looked the other night. That may be asking a bit much, but that's what I'm looking at for that game. So another one where it's a big point, big number. I would not advocate laying that kind of a, a spread. I think I think laying 11.5 points is a lot. But I do have them covering it. Baltimore and Pittsburgh. This is one that a lot of people are just banking on the fact that the number is as low as it is because it's a divisional rival. And Pittsburgh catching four and a half at home. Is crazy. I think Pittsburgh sucks. And this is one where if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I have Baltimore winning by 13 points, 29 to 16. I I just think Pittsburgh is wretched. And maybe I'll look stupid Sunday night, but I I think Baltimore is a pretty decent team. I don't think they're great, but I think they're decent enough. Where do I have them currently rated? I have Baltimore currently rated. Actually, wow, I've got them much higher than I thought. Um, I have them fourth. That seems overzealous. The eyeball test would say otherwise, um, but yeah, I, I I'd be thoroughly disappointed in a team like this. I know it's a road opponent. I know it's a divisional opponent. Um, I just I don't I don't think very highly of Pittsburgh. Twenty nine to sixteen. Maybe that's overzealous, but I think they blow the doors off that number. Probably the grossest game of the week: the Saints and the Patriots. I don't have anything good to say about the Patriots. It's a, it's a rough go of it. The Saints are one-point favorites on the road. Um, I have New England winning 20-19. to 19. I wouldn't touch the game with a 10-foot pole. Part of me actually wants them to just continue sucking. Blow this thing up. You don't have the skilled players. You don't have anything that you need to be good. Your defense you had, and your two best players are hurt now. Just Just end it. It's time to turn the page entirely, I think. New quarterback for certain. And I don't think Belichick's bad as a coach anymore. Don't get me wrong. In terms of managing the personnel, I mean, on offense, he's been pretty shitty for a while. So I. It, it's extremely disappointing. Um, the total's 39.5, so my number's right on there. I've just got to go in the other way. And I believe this did open up with New England favored, but I wouldn't touch that game. Cincinnati at Arizona. This is another one that stinks. Um, I actually have Arizona winning outright, 24 to 21. They are three-point home dogs. This is a case where I talked about not wanting to get greedy earlier, but that was with a money line of plus 116. At plus 144 compared to a minus 108 plus 3, I would take Arizona on the money line at home. I just think Cincinnati's a shell of themselves, whether it's Burrow, whether it's a combination of things. I don't think Arizona is good. Don't get me wrong. But Cincinnati's not good either, and if I've got them winning outright, Arizona at home and you're offering me nearly you know one and a half to one odds, yeah yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna take a chance there plus 144 I would take the Cardinals at home on the money line Eagles at Rams, the Eagles are four and a half point road favorites I have Philadelphia winning by two. 28 to 26 that's a total of 54 the total currently is at 49 and a half juiced to the over so that could go up to 50 before you know it but it's oh dear Justin Fields he got it he got it away but he was all wrapped up I apologize um, yeah two points for the Eagles and it's another one where th- there are so many home dogs this week it's kind of alarming but that just seems to be the the NFL in a nutshell right now um I wouldn't want to make a bet on this game because I could easily see the Rams turning into pumpkins but at the same time Philly hasn't been awesome they've been good they haven't been you know Philadelphia from last year not to this point anyway it's a game that if you had to make a play or if I had to make a play I would take the points at home with the Rams but I'm not all that interested in that one Uh, Chiefs at Vikings, the Chiefs are three-and-a-half-point road favorites. I have the Chiefs winning by seven, 27-20. So that's an opportunity if you're looking at it that, if you're so inclined. But again, the idea of laying more than a field goal on the road. Yeah, the Vikings can't get out of their own way, but three-and-a-half, you're catching the hook as well. My numbers say it's Kansas City. It's probably a game I would pass just because I think crazier things have happened. Jets and Broncos at mile high, the Broncos are two-point favorites. Uh, this is another one where I would take the road team, and I'd take them outright, although I wouldn't get too picky at this point. Do you take the two points at minus 106, or do you take plus 112 on the money line? I guess at that point I'd probably take the points. Um, but I do have the Jets winning, and I have winning by five. I've got the Jets 24, the Broncos 19. I don't think Denver's any good. And say what you will about Zach Wilson. I know he played well the other night, but um, I still think that they've got some players. I know a lot of people were dumping all over the wide receivers aside from Garrett Wilson, but the running backs are solid. The defense is still good. I think Denver's a hot mess. I would take the points with the Jets, and I would at least think about playing them on the money line. Uh, The Sunday night game is on paper, spectacular. The Cowboys at the 49ers. 49ers are three and a half point home favorites. I have San Francisco winning by six. I have 32 to 26 San Francisco winning that game. That's a total of 58. And currently the total is 45. Do with that what you will. And Monday night, we wrap things up with the Packers and the Raiders. The Raiders are one point home favorites. I don't know if Garoppolo's playing. I don't know if o'connell or the o'connor or whatever the the rookie's name is is playing I, I don't know who the quarterback is all i know is i don't think vegas is very good and maybe green Bay's not awesome but effectively as a pick give me the packers on the road minus 102 money line that's where i would go let me know your thoughts your plays picks opinions if you want more elaboration on this whole piece here Beneath the video player on YouTube, or you can send me a DM on Twitter, at Bernier underscore Matt. And that's going to do it for this week's show. Again, apologies for sort of the whispering, but I get uncomfortable in a hotel room. I don't like to talk and bother neighbors and things like that. It's 9 o'clock at night, although, you know, there's all sorts of stuff going on outside. So, uh, FanDuel TV all weekend. All meet, really, for that matter. I will be here for every day of the meeting. Here at Keeneland, opening up on Friday. Uh, Many of you will have already... Caught opening day's worth of races, but uh, giant, giant weekend of racing here in Lexington. Looks like the weather's going to be on the brisk side, but I think dry. And that is the most important piece. So uh, FanDuel TV all weekend for all your action. You can follow me on Twitter, at Bernie or underscore Matt. Please, as always, rate, review, subscribe, thumbs up, thumbs down for all the podcast feeds for YouTube, wherever it may be. If you are on YouTube, Matt Bernie, your show in the search bar, you'll get this show along with the 174 prior until next week. Best of luck, however you play, whatever you play, and wherever you play. It's been episode one seventy-four of the Map your Show.